Good evening. It's good to be together tonight. Appreciate the time that we've been able to spend in worship. What a wonderful day that we've been able to share together the Lord's Day, first day of the week. Appreciate you. Appreciate the time we've been able to spend together. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. If you have your Bibles and you'd like to turn there with me, Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to be studying in what was read for us just a minute ago, verses 8 through 17. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 17. I don't know how many of you have seen the movie The Lion King, but if you haven't, then you need to. Okay, it's a classic, not talking about the new Lion King, but the old Lion King. The one that was animated, isn't that right, Cam? I think this is one of Cameron Kirschbaum's favorite movies. He told me a couple months ago, if I could somehow work the Lion King into a lesson, he'd really be appreciative. So Cam, here it is right here. There's a part of the movie after Mufasa dies, after Simba's father dies, where he's running. He's running from his past, feeling regret, feeling guilty for the death of his father, but he's also running away from his future. He doubts that he has what it takes to be the next Lion King. And so there's a scene where he's looking down into a really deep pond, a really deep pool of water. And as he's looking into that pool of water, his reflection turns into the reflection of his father, Mufasa, who had died earlier in the movie. And as he's looking at the reflection of his father in the water, he hears his father call out to him. And he looks up into the sky, there's Mufasa. He gives Simba the very quotable line, remember who you are. I think what Simba's father told him is really what our Heavenly Father tells us. Remember who you are. When you look at this text in Ephesians 5, verses 8-17, through 17, that's what this text is all about. That's what Paul wants us to do as followers of Jesus. He wants us to remember who we are. To remember this new identity that we've received in Jesus. To remember this great change, this great transformation that's taken place in our lives. In fact, I think that's what he presents to us in the very first verse that we read a few minutes ago. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8, Paul wants us to remember who we are. He says, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. If you had the opportunity to be with us last week, then perhaps you remember, we spent some time in Ephesians 5 verses 3 through 7, the few verses before this, talking about some things that we are to stay away from. In that section of Scripture, Paul talks about how we are to stay away from sin, verses 3-5. through As Christians, we are to stay away from deception, in verse 6. We are to stay away from sinful influences, in verse 7. Well, why? Why are we supposed to stay away from those things as followers of Jesus? It's like spending time with a little kid, right? If you spend some time with a little kid, you're going to hear the question, why, probably a million different times. Why can't I touch that hot stove? Why can't I stay up past 9 o'clock on a school night? Why can't I beat my brother's face in whenever he's bothering me, whenever he's harassing me? Maybe sometimes we ask God those questions. God says, here's some things you need to stay away from. God says, here's some things you need to keep your distance from. God, why? 
Why are we supposed to stay away from sin? Why are we supposed to stay away from deception? Why are we supposed to stay away from sinful influences? Are you just trying to ruin my fun? Are you just trying to take away the things that I want to do? Are you trying to take away the things that I would have fun doing? I think Paul answers that question in verse 8. He comes off verses 3-7 through seven saying you need to stay away from these things. Then he says 4 in verse 8. You have to remember who you are as a follower of Jesus. Remember who you were at one time. He says you were darkness. At one time we were darkness. And the New Testament has a lot to say about that. For instance, Luke chapter 1 and verse 79 talks about those who sit in darkness. Luke 11.35 talks about those who have darkness in them. The inverse of that, Romans 2 and verse 19 talks about those who are in darkness. John 3.19 talks about those who love darkness. 1 John 1.6 talks about those who walk in darkness. The New Testament has a lot to say about darkness. Here in Ephesians 5 and verse 8, I think we find a statement that is one step beyond anything that you see on the screen. Because in Ephesians 5 and verse 8, Paul's not saying, hey, we were walking in darkness, or we were living in darkness, or there was darkness inside of us. In Ephesians 5 and verse 8, Paul says at one time we were darkness. That's who we used to be. When you think about our lives before Jesus, it wasn't just that we were good people who had made wrong decisions. It's not that we were good people who had just strayed off the right path. At one time, we were darkness at the very depth of who we were. But then look at the change. Look at the transformation that's happened. Look at the exchange in identity that we have received. At one time, we were darkness. But what about now? Now, we are light in the Lord. It's like what Jesus says in John chapter 8 and verse 12. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's like what Paul says in Colossians 1 verses 13 and 14. He, God, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. Just like you transfer money from different bank accounts, look at what God has done. He's transferred us out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of Jesus. A kingdom that's defined by light. The one in whom we have redemption. The forgiveness of our sins. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 talks about how God has called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. This is akin to what we talked about in Ephesians 4 just a few verses ago. Verses 22 through 24 where Paul says, You put off the old man which has been corrupted through deceitful desires and you put on this new self which has been created after the, righteousness of, after the likeness of God rather in true righteousness and holiness. He says at one time, we were darkness, but look at where we are now. Look at the change. Look at the transformation that's happened. It's not just a change in behavior. It's not just a change in perspective. It's not just a change in how we think or how we live. It's a change in identity. At one time, we were darkness, 
but now we are light in the Lord. And so go back to verses 3-7 through and ask that question. Why are we supposed to stay away from these things? Why are we supposed to stay away from sin and from deception and from sinful influences? Here's what Paul says. You stay away from those things because of who you are. You stay away from those things because of this new identity that you've received in Jesus. At one time you were darkness, but that's not who you are anymore. Now we are light in the Lord and we are to live in such a way that is in step with that. What happens whenever we embrace this new identity in Jesus? What happens whenever we remember who we are? Who we are throughout the rest of the text determines what we do. So often as Christians, we're just concerned with the decisions that we make on the outside. We're concerned with how we speak. We're concerned with how we live, and we should be. But before we're concerned with our behavior, we should be concerned with our identity. Before we think about what we do, we need to think about who we are. Because when you look through the rest of this text, who we are is determined by and stems directly from other way around. That's not right. You didn't hear me say that. What we do stems from and is determined by who we are. And I love how Paul talks about that as we continue forward, that whenever we remember who we are, Paul says we're going to walk as children of light in verses 8 and 9. Which when you look at the context of this, it really flows well, doesn't it? Paul says in in verse 8, if you go back to the beginning of that verse, he talks about identity. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. That's who we are now. We've experienced this transformation in Jesus. So how does that impact the way that we live? How does that change how we talk? How does that change the kind of decisions that we make? Well, the end of verse 8, walk as children of light. Here's who you are, so here's what you do. Now you are light in the Lord, so walk that way, live that way, walk as a child of light. But then what does that look like? What does it practically look like to walk, to live as a child of light? Well, as you continue into verse number 9, Paul talks about the fruit of light. Think about it like this. How do you know that an apple tree is an apple tree. Well, the leaves are just a little shade lighter than all the other trees. They're they're, they're just a, a lighter shade of green, and that's how I identify an apple tree, right? Well, no, I, I just made that up. I don't even know if that's true. You identify an apple tree by the fruit that it has. You know that an apple tree is an apple tree because it's bearing fruit. It has apples hanging from the branches. Here's who we are. We're light in the Lord. Here's what we do. We walk as children of light. But what does that look like practically? What is the fruit of that kind of life? Paul says, verse number 9, he says, the fruit of light is found in all that is good, all that is right, and all that is true. So instead of living based on sin, verses 3-5, through living based on deception, verse 6, living based on sinful influences in verse 7, as Christians, as children of light, we live based on all that is good, all that is right, and all that is true. 
Whenever we remember who we are, whenever we remember this transformation that's taken place, we will walk as children of light. Number two, whenever we remember who we are, we're going to discern and understand what pleases the Lord. Paul talks about that in verse 10. He talks about it again in verse 17. Now Paul, in these couple verses, is not saying that we're ignorant of what pleases the Lord. Paul is not saying that we need to figure out what's right and wrong and we, we need to figure out what pleases God and what doesn't please God. We need to go on some kind of journey or discovery to find out what's pleasing God. Scripture tells us what's pleasing to God. And think about what we just said in verse number 9. Doesn't that describe a life that's pleasing to God, that's rooted in all that is good, all that is right, and all that is true? Paul's not saying here that we have to determine what is right and wrong in God's sight. What he is saying is that we need to work on our discernment. In other words, what does goodness, righteousness, and truth look like in this specific circumstance in my life? That can be a more difficult question to answer. Somebody cuts me off in traffic. A friend who I've loved for a long time stabs me in the back. I go through this specific temptation or I have a really big decision to make. I find myself at a crossroads in my life. What does goodness, what does righteousness, what does truth look like in the circumstances that I encounter on a daily basis? It's like what the Hebrews writer talks about in chapter 5 and verse 14 that we must have our powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Paul's not saying that we have to figure out what pleases God. Scripture tells us what pleases God. The question is, how can I take what Scripture says and apply it to the situations that I go through? Whenever I, whenever I remember who I am in Jesus, this is what's going to naturally follow. I'm going to be able to discern and understand what pleases the Lord. Continuing to verses 11-14, through 14, number 3, when we remember who we are, we're going to expose the deeds of darkness. What we find at the beginning of verse 11 is really similar to what we saw last week in verse number 7. He says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. He says, don't participate in, don't share in these unfruitful works of darkness. Again, it goes back to who we are. At one time, we were darkness. At one time, we did do those things. At one time, those unfruitful works of darkness, those works that aren't going to get us anywhere, that are covered up in darkness, that we like to keep in secret, that's what we used to do. But Paul says that's not who we are anymore. Now we are light in the Lord. Now we walk as children of light. So we're not going to participate in the unfruitful works of darkness. We're producing the fruit of all that is good and all that is right and all that is true. And so we're not going to produce the fruit that is defined by darkness. He says, take no part, don't participate in the unfruitful works of darkness. Remember who you are. Well, what are we going to do instead? He says, instead of participating in them, expose them. Expose the unfruitful works of darkness. Now in that, Paul is not giving us a badge to police everybody's behavior. Paul's not saying that that's, it's our responsibility as Christians to tell everybody on the street what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong. This doesn't give you the right to go on Facebook and to blast somebody for something they've said or something that they've done. Well, I'm just exposing the unfruitful works of darkness. That's not what Paul is talking about here. 
I think what Paul is talking about here, it's not something that you have to say. It's not something that you have to point the finger to do. But it's just the life that you live. What does light do when it comes into contact with darkness? Light drives out darkness when it comes into contact with it. And it's going to expose anything that is sitting in the darkness. He says that's the kind of lives that we should live. It's not that I'm calling people out for everything that they do that's right or everything that they do that's wrong, but by the way that I live my life on a daily basis, by the light that I shine into a world of darkness, I'm going to expose those unfruitful works as something that is not desirable. Something that is not in step with the will of God. We are to expose the works, verse number 12, that are shameful even to speak of. Things that people do in secret. Things that people don't want any, anybody else to know about. Things that are done underneath the cover of darkness by how we live our lives. We are to expose those things. And the world's not going to like it. John tells us that in John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. He says, this is the judgment that light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things, watch this, hates the light and doesn't come to the light. Why is that? Lest his works should be exposed. The same word that we find here in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 11. Don't participate in these unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. The world's not going to like it. But yet as Christians, this is the responsibility that we have. Why is that the responsibility that we have? Why do we expose the unfruitful works of darkness by the way that we live? Well, let me say it's not to win an argument. It's not to prove that somebody's wrong. It's not to point a finger. It's not to condemn. But look at number, verse number 14. He says, For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Why do we expose the unfruitful works of darkness? It's not to win an argument. It's to win a soul. It's not to prove somebody wrong, but it's to help them approach Jesus in a way that's pleasing to Him. It's so that people will wake up. So that people will rise up from their spiritual deadness. We want to give people the opportunity for Jesus to shine on them just like He shined on us. We want people to experience the same journey, the same transformation that we've experienced. Back in verse 8, at one time we were darkness, but now we're light in the Lord. We want people to experience that for themselves. So it's not to win an argument. It's not to look down our nose at people. It's not to say I'm better than you. We expose the unfruitful works of darkness so that people can come to know Jesus. So that they can have an opportunity for Jesus to shine on them. Number four, whenever we realize who we are, we're going to pay careful attention to how we live. Look at how Paul says that in verse 15. Some translations say, walk circumspectly. The ESV says, look carefully then how you walk. As Christians, we don't live in a lackadaisical way. We don't live in a carefree way. We don't live in such a way that I'm not thinking about the decisions I make. I'm not thinking about what I say. I'm not thinking about what I do. I go through my life in a carefree way. No, instead, think about what it's like to walk on a tight wire. What if you were on that wire? Would you be careful how you walked? 
I wouldn't get on it. But if I had to, I'd take each step with intentionality. I'd be very careful. So, because if you go too far to the left, if you go too far to the right, you're going to fall. It's like walking through a minefield. If somebody plopped you down in the middle of a minefield, would you run through it trying to get out of it as quickly as you could? Or would you walk carefully? I would walk carefully. Why? Because each step matters. If you take a wrong step, then everything is going to explode. Just like walking on a tight wire, just like walking through a minefield, Paul says we need to look, verse 15, carefully how we walk. We need to be careful about how we live. We need to pay attention to the decisions that we make whenever we realize who we are in Jesus. Not because we're afraid. Not because we think if we misstep, God's going to throw us away and He's going to be done with us. That's not the case. We're to look carefully how we walk, Paul says, not as unwise, but as wise. Not wisdom that comes from the world, but James 3 and verse 17, wisdom that comes from above. That is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And then finally, number five, whenever we realize who we are in Jesus, we're going to make the best use of our time. That's what Paul says, verse number 16, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. I don't know about you, but I don't really like to waste stuff. I don't like to waste money. I don't like to waste resources. I don't like to waste different things. But sometimes I find myself wasting my time. What about you? How often do we waste time looking at a screen? Looking at a phone, a tablet, a computer, a laptop, a TV, whatever it might be. How much time do we waste on social media? on a weekly basis? How much time do we waste playing different video games or doing different things like that? Not that those things are wrong. Those things are not sinful in and of themselves. But the question that we have to think about as Christians, as we are light in the Lord, what we have to ask ourselves is what is the best way to use our time? Whenever I was in quarantine just a couple of weeks ago, and I came out of quarantine, I was preparing this lesson, walking through this text. This is one of the verses that stepped on my toes a little bit, because when I was in quarantine, I watched all nine Spider-Man movies, okay? I'm not afraid to admit that, a little bit ashamed of it. As Christians, what is the best use of our time? Is the best use of our time sitting in front of a screen? Is the best use of our time scrolling through social media, seeing what people are up to? How much time do you spend in Bible reading? How much time do you spend in prayer? Like we talked about this morning, how much time do you spend encouraging other people, reaching out to other people, serving other people? As those who are light in the Lord, as those who walk as children of light, the best use of our time, the best way we can use our time, especially realizing that the days are evil, is drawing closer to Jesus ourselves, number one, and then helping others to draw closer to Him. Is that how we use our time throughout the week? Are we using our time wisely? What Mufasa said to Simba, what Simba's father said to him, is what I believe our Heavenly Father says to us. As you go 
throughout your life this week, as you go to work, as you interact with different people, as you have different responsibilities, you have to remember who you are in Jesus. Remember this new identity that you've received. Remember this change, this radical transformation that's happened in your life. At one time, you were darkness. But now you're light in the Lord. So how does that impact the way that you live? Well, as those who are light in the Lord, we're going to walk as children of light. We're going to discern and understand what pleases the Lord. We're going to expose the deeds of darkness. We're going to pay careful attention to how we live. And we're going to make the best use of our time. Remember who you are. Who you are is going to determine what you do. Before we close, I think it's important for us to mention if you're not a Christian, then nothing we've talked about tonight applies to you. If you've never been baptized into Jesus, you haven't been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness. You're still in darkness. Do you need to make the decision tonight to get out of that? By being baptized into Jesus, making that change, the Lord making that change. At one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Is there something in that list of things that we just put up on the screen from verses 9-17 through 17 that you're struggling with? Do you need the prayers of your brothers and sisters? Are you just generally struggling in life and need to be encouraged? Would you like to study the Bible with somebody? We'd love to help you in any way that we can as together we stand and sing.